0: Oh yeah.
1: Ollie Pop classic root beer, baby. That's yeah. the best one. That is the best one right there, too. Drink up. And
2: the cream soda. Oh, the cream soda's dangerous. Cream the- soda's money. Yeah. Yeah, they so's, are. So's the cola. So's the strawberry vanilla. Look at this guy. Are you kidding me. Gotta get you one of these lids too. I even all bought right. some bought some all stat lager today, too. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. That's
1: (laughs) what we need everybody else doing. Be more like Chip. Hashtag be more like Chip. Support our great sponsors. All right, gentlemen, we'll be listening. Y'all have a great show today.
2: Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. See y'all. Zay in the immortal words of Judy Brown. Happiness is a choice. We're happy. Y'all are spending some time with us, Chip and Zay. One to three on Texas Sports Unfiltered. you kidding me? I mean, where would you rather be than chilling with me
3: and the right calls call, Zay Collier? Zay, what's going on, doc? What's popping, my friend? Happy Friday Eve. Feeling good, feeling great. Two days away from KU. Coming down to DKR at 2.30. Getting very excited about that. But yeah, man, I'm living. L-I-V-I-N. How are you? I'm doing good, man.
2: Doing good. Just had a little uh, chat with Steve Sarkeesian. I think I think that uh, I think these Jayhawks have his attention, from what I'm seeing. And we'll talk to our man Lance Taylor, our SEC insider and prognosticator. He gives you the picks at lanceslock.com. We will uh, we'll get his thoughts on. Kansas, Texas, the line, 17 points, Um, seems a little steep. Oh, it's come down. It's come down. It's 16 and a half now. So the money is coming in on the Jayhawks, Zay. People, yeah. are, They're buying Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal in this new revamped defensive front of the, of the big beak birds
3: yeah well, they should get that respect, man. They've been playing some good football lately. This isn't the old Kansas Jayhawks that you knew it was an automatic dub when they came into town. No, Lance Leipold, he's done a hell of a job coming from Wisconsin Whitewater. The dude's won about 15 championships at the D3 level, so he knows what winning's all about. I don't care what level you're on. That's pretty damn impressive. And he's put that culture in the Lawrence and for this Kansas football team. And, you know, they're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. And, you know, their uniforms are really cool, too. I don't think we talk about it enough because, again, it's Kansas, and it's a basketball school at the end of the day. Bill Self just won a national championship a couple years ago. But, yeah, like, their uniforms, they be switching it up from blue tops, red bottoms, red on red. They'll come in with the white tops on the away games. I don't know what we're going to see on uh, Saturday. Are we going to see the blue bottoms or the blue, or the red bottoms or the – White bottoms, it don't matter. I don't know. But yeah, they look good out there, except for that ugly ass J H let me ask you this, Zay. What do you how
2: where are you on the alternative uniforms? Who does it work for? You know, Texas doesn't do the alternate unis. Yeah. Everyone else does. I mean, Oregon announces each week what their uniform is gonna be for that week. It's like ESPN announcing game day. Oregon, oh, what uniform are they going to wear this week? Where, where are you on the the alternate unis?
3: Uh, I love it for everyone except for Texas football. I'm not saying Texas baseball can't change it up. I'm not saying Texas basketball can't change it up. Hell, I even go back to the black jerseys for Texas basketball, except when J.J. Redick put them to rest, when the freaking Blue Devils beat the Hordes by Remember like 30. J.J.
2: Redick went for 41.
3: Oh, my gosh, man. I'll never forget that
2: game. I don't know. Did Have they ever worn those black unis again?
3: So you remember the Phil Knight Invitational in Portland where all those Nike brand teams and universities, they were wearing the alternate uniform. And Texas wore black then. But that was it. It was just for that Portland Phil Knight. You know, owner, creator of Nike for that special tournament. But besides that, I don't remember them. Like J.J. Reddick, he R.I.P. those things that night in the Meadowlands. So, yeah, but for Texas football, no, sir, man. The white-on-white, icy whites, those are iconic. The burnt orange is iconic. Hell, Chip, I don't know if you saw yesterday, Chris Del Conte, somebody uh, uh, sent him like a tweet of Tennessee's black jerseys because I think they're rocking those this weekend, and he was like, Look, C D C these could be pretty cool. And CDC was like hell to the gnaw. We are never doing that. Don't good for them, but that's not us. We're the real UT and our colors are iconic. So yeah, for Different teams like the Oregon's and the Kansas, as I just mentioned, that, you know, have all the alternate uniforms and switch it up. Like, I'm good for it. Hell, even Ohio State, when they go black, I like that. And I know some people in Columbus, you call them the dumbest, most lunatic fans (laughs) ever. But I'm sure some people in Columbus, the old heads, they're probably like, nah, nah, black's a little too much. Those blacks are sharp whenever they wear them against the Indianas and the Northwesterns of the world. But for University of Texas, I'm good.
2: Ohio State should wear black, like Darth Vader. (laughs) They are the snake pit. The snake pit of college football. Columbus, Ohio. They used to have a prison right in downtown Columbus. Wow. I don't know if they still have it, but it was. I'm like, are you kidding me? Can we move the prison out of downtown? Right? Like, most people are trying to build a stadium or some kind of
3: tourist attraction. Yeah. A prison. Yeah. We don't want to see guys doing five to 10 walking around and stuff in the all orange. No, nah, that's not you what, know what that is.
2: That's poor planning. <laughs> Hashtag poor planning. Whoever the father of Columbus, Ohio is, or Maybe it was the fool who was getting that prison named after him. Yeah, we need that right downtown. Yeah. Have that right downtown. Forget the mall. <laughs> the mall we Bad need the dude. prison right in the city limits, right in downtown. That'd be great. Way to go, Ohio! You are idiots. Um, yeah, Black Saturday. That was that was rough. Uh, Texas basketball got obliterated by JJ Redick, and then Vince went to the Heisman Trophy presentation, and I've never seen Vince so mad in my life. I was there. I voted for VY because, well, it was kind of a no-brainer. You take Reggie Bush off of USC, you still got Lendell White, you got Matt liner you got Dwayne Jerry. You got you got a, another Heisman Trophy winner in Matt liner You take Vince Young off that Texas team, they probably lose two games that year. And Vince, you... Anyone who watched Vince, his body of work, it absolutely warranted winning the Heisman Trophy. And then, of course, he goes in, totally outplays Reggie Bush in the national championship game. Why don't we vote for these things after the final game, people? But Vince was so pissed that night. Like, I genuinely think he thought he was going to win. Now, I saw Reggie Bush in that Thursday night game against Fresno where he's doing the joystick stop and start ran for like 300 yards. It was, I was like, Oh God. Fresno was
3: weirdly ranked and it wasn't even a Pac-10 matchup. So that was weird too.
2: It was the last game before the vote. (laughs) Yeah. And we're such a prisoner of the moment voters who needed something, a, a tiebreaker or whatever, all went with Reggie because of that crazy highlight game. And of course, ESPN's like, oh my God, look at this move. And it was a sweet move. And then Vince had to play AM in the rain and it was not a great game for him. And everyone's like, okay, there it is. We'll just boil it down to Reggie against Fresno, Vince against AM. Okay. Well, what you did was give VY enough resolve to go beat that ass in his house. He rents the Rose Bowl to UCLA. They pay Vince rent to play games there because that is – that's V.Y.'s house. Now, get this, Zay. Remember when V.Y.
3: said, we'll be back. Yeah. After Michigan, yeah. He backed it up. He backed it up.
2: And you know why? Because he – was the man i mean he could single-handedly take over games and he did yeah. Sam Ellinger. you know he's he's got that we're back now maybe maybe i'm not even going to talk about it but maybe maybe you can dust that off here eventually but that was unfortunate
3: Yeah, it was, and I don't knock Sam Ellinger for yelling that after the Sugar Bowl game when you beat Georgia, especially with everything that he saw previous to his own tenure at the University of Texas as the starting quarterback for four straight years. Like I get where he was. It seemed like with Tom Herman that high was going to get even higher, and Tom Herman obviously he's not around anymore, and Steve Sarkeesian and this team they have a grand opportunity to actually be back you know nobody said those words you saw Quinn Ewers avoid that conversation after the Alabama game like everybody knows what Sam said and what that means to the program at this point those words are very careful and national media they eat that up alive. but yeah man going back to VY again just his confidence and swagger like he is the best part of what Houston Texas represents like if somebody asks yo what's who's just a great character that represents Houston in the best way. I look at Vince young from just the freestyling and the rapping and just the culture that he brought on campus, that Mac Brown was a little cautious of like, uh, you know, this is the same guy we talked about this week that wanted Ricky Williams to cut his dress like Mac. It took Mac a little while to get with the program, but once he did, it obviously benefited everybody. And letting Vince be him, that just went through everybody's veins in that locker room. Everybody fed on that. Everybody fed from that type of confidence. And you talk about him being pissed off in New York when he wasn't called to win the Heisman. Hey, (laughs) every Texas fan will take that. Like, we love you, Vince. We wish you would have won it. But, hey, you being pissed off, meant that you were going to bring your all in that Rose Bowl game, and he did that, and then some, maybe the greatest performance in college football history that day, that night, so yeah, like that's that's what we want to get back to, Chip, you know, you're, you're feeling it, you get a little nervous as Saturdays are more approaching each week, especially with every Texas win, you get more and more nervous, because you feel like, okay is this too good to be true, like this defense playing the way that they are This line, all those guys rotating in the secondary. We were worried about who was going to be alongside Jalen Ford. And David Bend has been playing his ass off. Anthony Hill has been playing his ass off. So it's like, okay, these questions are slowly getting answered. But there's a lot of college football left in this season. And you talked about Steve Sarkeesian. Y'all talked to him today in the Zoom presser. Yo, this dude's not taking Kansas for light. You can't. You cannot look at this game as a trap game, even though it might say that, you know, or it might look that way to a lot of national media, knowing that Oklahoma is the following week and they're also undefeated and they also look a lot better under Brent Venables in year two. You cannot look at this game as a trap game because I've been watching more and more film on Jalen Daniels. That dude is for real. That dude is for real. We talked to Michael yesterday, um, you know, B-rider for uh, 24-7 and with Kansas, and he said about a pass that he threw against Illinois, I watched that pass. Yo, Michael wasn't lying at all. It was just a flick of the wrist. Now, I think that Texas secondary is a lot better than Illinois, and those things probably won't be open or won't be able to happen for him in Kansas's favor. But the fact that Jalen Daniels could make things happen with his feet and keep the play alive, sometimes to a fault, which Texas needs to take advantage of, that's scary. That's scary. So you cannot take this team for granted. They're going to come in with a lot of confidence. And they remember what happened on their home field last year where Bijan Robinson went for over 200 yards on the ground. They want some serious revenge, and they probably feel like they're not getting enough credit in the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody's, like, trying to figure out. Everybody's. Everybody's trying to figure out what uh what uh which team is for real and everybody's looking back at last year's game and saying oh Texas destroyed him 55-14 it's a different team it's a different team healthy Jalen Daniels new defensive front that Lance Leipold went and pulled out of the portal and kudos to Lance Leipold man he needed to be a surgeon he needed to be surgical in Nailing his transfer picks. They needed to come in and be impact, and they have been. And that's, man, Lance Leipold, Wisconsin Whitewater. What the hell is Wisconsin Whitewater? Like?
3: <laughs>
2: man, that, yeah. uh, I'll give credit because listen, Kansas's athletic directors have screwed up football for. Ever. Now, they got Mark Mangino right. I said the day they fired Mark Mangino, worst decision they could possibly make. And the word was, you know, oh, Mark, he was talking too mean to the kids. Like, no. There was some donor who was going to give money for practice fields at Kansas who didn't like having a 400-pound coach. Did you like going to the Orange Bowl and winning? I mean, Mark Mangino, Todd Reising. we need to get Todd Reising on the show. Todd Reising, who Mangino called Sparky, quarterback from Lake Travis, played catcher for Lake Travis, like made a video for recruiting purposes, like his aunts, uncles, dogs, sister, got that videotape to Mark Mangino, and Mangino saw the tape, he's like, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a chance on this guy. An Orange Bowl win later, Kansas was relevant in football. And it's like I mean that was that was man, that was oh nine. Damn. God, Kansas was on the same trajectory that uh Texas is. Yeah, yeah. But Todd Reesing, man, dude was scrappy, tough. They had some. They just that was, in that they had a good defense, veteran defense coordinator, Kansas athletic director fires Mangino and starts this odyssey of ineptitude. They could have hired Gus Malzahn when they when they hired Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss, who. Stole money from Notre Dame, stole money <laughs> from <Kansas. laughs> then They get rid of Charlie Weiss because he couldn't recruit. And they go hire David Beatty, who could recruit. But it didn't come together fast enough, although he did get Charlie Strong fired. And then they tried to fire David Beatty for cause when they didn't have cause. And he sued and he won. And Beatty got his money. And I, and then they go higher, less miles, and less miles. Little did we know, was sneaking around the chicken coop at LSU doing stupid stuff. Mm. So, Kansas is like, Thanks for the memories, less, and good for them to go find the little
3: engine that could at Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's kind of it. The fact that he came from such a small school, even though it's a powerhouse for Division Three, him being in Lawrence is kind of like home for him. He's comfortable with that. He's comfortable not necessarily being in the limelight and taking the back seat to Bill Self, and you know he doesn't have that type of pride to where it's a problem and it's gonna put a damper on the whole entire organization. Like he's embracing it and he's bringing in guys. Guys like Brian Borland and uh, the offensive coordinator, and the uh, that he's familiar with, guys that have gone through the mud with him that won championships at wisconsin whitewater like the fact that what michael told us yesterday about him and brian borland like the first time they weren't together on the sideline in 19 years was the first game of the season and just because borland was having some medical procedure like that's pretty nuts like that's some familiarity right there that you know not a lot of people have in college football or any type of sport that we see you just always see change and people are leaving trying to see if the grass is greener on the other side and the fact that they have all that you know people that they know and that they could trust I think that's huge and those players they buy into that and they see that and they play hard for those guys so yeah they got all the confidence coming in to DKR And they should. Like, that's why 16 points, that's a little high for me. You know, I like my guy Jason. We had it up here. He's saying 35-20. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Now, this team, this defense, I think obviously is going to be key always, but just – what Jalen Daniels provides with Devin Neal, they want to run the football. You're going to see that power game. You're going to see that the counter action. You're going to see options. You know, Jalen Daniels, if you play man and guys aren't open, then he's going to scramble for 15 yards. So, this defense, they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's. And I think it's huge that they face somebody like Jalen Muro, even though Jalen Daniels might be a little bit more accurate with his arm. Jalen Muro with similar problems better athletic ability and they did a good job keeping him in the pocket and making him uncomfortable when they face somebody like Jalen Daniels they're going to be more familiar with that type of style and I don't think they're going to you know be uncomfortable in any way again you have all those guys they're so deep there's so many guys rotating. so once you get into that fourth quarter where the horns have thrived in the last four games it's because nobody's tired everybody's still going at 100 nobody's you know hands on the hips nobody's really huffing and puffing they're just kind of like yo we were made for this i feel like i've barely played and that's because pete who got mentioned by sark today yo has done a hell of a job at rotating guys and keeping guys just ready and locked in and i think when you see that at 230 it's just gonna be too much for kansas after all
2: yeah yeah i think the the depth of Texas's defense is going to become a bigger and bigger story as this year goes on. And I did a big breakdown of the snap count for everyone on offense and defense so far through four games. And I think people would be surprised at the, the uh, number of snaps that are, you know, going around on defense. So here's here's how some of these snaps break down. Obviously, you know, defensive tackle, Tavondre Sweat, Monster, 141 snaps so far this season. Interesting that Alfred Collins is next with 123 snaps and then Byron Murphy at 119. Um, Vernon Broughton 108, and then it you know it's Trill Carter at 67. Um, Baron Sorrell, 128 snaps at that defensive end position. They really like his ability to set the edge, stop the run. He doesn't have the sacks yet that he's, he's hoping for a 10-sack year. Um, you've got uh, Ethan Burke at 99 snaps. He didn't play a ton of snaps last week, and it's interesting how they're – they change the scheme for each week. You've got, you got, some weeks. Uh, Jalen Ford is playing middle linebacker. Some weeks he's playing weak side linebacker, and David Benda's playing middle. They adjust this thing for what they're gonna see. Last week, PK, knowing that Baylor likes that wide zone, widened out the the defense and put more guys up front to cancel that ability to get wide and it completely shut down Baylor's running game um, held him to 1.9 yards per carry but where it gets really interesting to me Zay is in the in the back end so you got Ryan Watts with 175 snaps so far this season. You got Gavin Holmes next at 126, Terrence Brooks at 125, and Malik Muhammad at 119. These guys are interchangeable in the coach's eyes. And I don't blame them because the two highest rated corners right now, according to Pro Football Focus, your favorite is Malik Muhammad at 74.4. Anything above 70 is considered above average. And Gavin Holmes, it's 71.6. And Sark talked about Gavin Holmes today. My man Eric Henry over at Horns 24-7 wrote about him. He transferred in from Wake Forest. No one really talks about him, but the guy has experience in playing off coverage at Wake Forest. He's fast, and they trust him. So, And then those five safeties that they consider interchangeable – Uh, Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford, Derek Williams. Derek Williams, Jr., the freshman, has 107 snaps. Jalen Catalan has 97. Now, I think they're trying to preserve Jalen Catalan. They don't want to subject him to any more hits than they have to. Plus, he's more of a run stopper, and so they had him play a lot of – um, snaps against Wyoming, and they feel comfortable with Derek Williams, Keaton Crawford in coverage, and I think it's interesting because they trust guys like Malik Muhammad and, and D. Will, Derek Williams, and they should. Those dudes are really good players. Malik Muhammad is the highest-rated corner on the team, according to
3: Pro Football Focus, true freshman. Yeah, I've been talking about this guy since we started our show a month and some change ago, Chip, like Malik Muhammad coming out of South Oak Cliff. Fearless. Fearless. He was going to touch down on campus and say, yo, this is easy. <laughs> you know, this is easy. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. I just want to get out there. And he looks like a rabbit animal when he's on the field. Like he's always around the ball. If they throw it his way, then he's locked in, deflecting balls. He almost got an interception against Waco. I love what Gavin Holmes has brought to the table. I know he's a little undersized for what Steve Sarkeesian likes in a corner at, you know, around 511. But that's still, you know, big enough. And some of these guys for Kansas, they got some big receivers, man. They got a couple of guys that are around 6'3 to 6'5. So there might be some 50-50 balls that Jalen Daniels is going to try to see if his guys can moss ours. And, you know, those dudes at those four uh, corners that you just named, Malik Muhammad, Gavin Holmes, uh, Terrence Brooks, and Ryan Watts, they're got to be locked in. You know, Ryan Watts has quietly been really good. You talk about Terrence Brooks. He had a pass interference call against Wyoming that, you know, kind of helped their long ass drive. But other than that, he's been solid all year long. So when you got to go against Lawrence Arnold and Quentin Skinner, who are both 6'3, 6'4, 6'5 around there, you got to be careful. You got to be locked in. And, you know, I think this is the perfect game for them to really show, hey, we're here. We're for real. We're going to force some turnovers and make it really hard for Jalen Daniels. And we know that Andy Kolonicki, offensive coordinator for Kansas, he's going to run and run the football. You know, Daniel Highshaw and Devin Neal, those guys are both for real. Devin Neal, a little bit different than Highshaw because he could do it all from swing passes. I want to say he has over double digit receptions this year that have gone for over 15 yards, over 200 something yards receptions even, so they like to use them in multiple ways, and Highshaw is more of a bigger back, more of a bruiser that will lower his head and try to run over your ass, so this is going to be a good test for this defense, but at the end of the day, this defensive line, they're so physical, they're so mean, they're so deep, I think it's going to be hard for Kansas to move the ball on the ground, which that's going to allow the secondary and guys like Jalen Ford, who's, you know, what, is he tied with Jaron Thompson? for interceptions this year with two. So, you know, like those guys are always looking to make plays and force the ball. And shout out to our guy, Mike Harge, hanging with Harge from 11 to 12. He had uh, legendary Longhorn Derek Johnson on yesterday. And Harge brought up, yo, the next step is punching the ball out. That's that's the next step. All what Derek Johnson used to make his name for, like when guys are carrying it kind of crazy and don't have that thing tucked like Tinky Barber, Punch that thing out, Peanut Tillman style. Like We want to force turnovers any way that you can. I'm not saying you get out of your uh, uh, things that you work on every day, your fundamentals, but we want to get the ball back. Because this Texas offense, they haven't had the ball enough at times. Only 50 plays. I know Steve Sarkeesian and this offense, they won around 70 to 75. So to help that is the defense getting the ball back for the offense so you can make plays and be on the field longer. And once they start doing that, this defense goes from already really, really good to great.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got playmakers everywhere. I did a interview today for Kansas – um radio and they said what's the deal with this defense and i said they've got experienced playmaking leadership at every position group and when you've got that you got guys saying to the rest of the guys and sark talked about this a little bit today i'm going to be writing about this with tavondre sweat and byron murphy You want your biggest, baddest dudes to be the tone setters for your locker room. You want those dudes to be pushing the guys in their position group like Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton. And I think back to Casey Hampton. Casey Hampton was the ultimate enforcer, and he would dog cuss people. I'll never forget Kansas. They're playing against Kansas. Chris Sims. There was a pick six early and they're down 10 zip at Kansas. And Casey Hampton went up to Chris Sims. I watched it and I, I went up to I went up to Casey after the game because he walked right up to him after the pick six and got in his face. And Sims played great the rest of the game. Texas came back. They won going away. And in case like, I just wanted to let him know. We weren't, we weren't going to be having any more mistakes like that. And I went up to Sims, and Sims was like, yeah, we're good. Got the message. We're good. But Casey was that dude. Like, I've told this story a bunch, but Casey was, like, in his apartment in Section 8 housing down there in Galveston. When a dude ran into his apartment and got shot right on top of Casey. And Casey said, thank God the bullet went into this guy's butt. And it didn't go through him and hit me. And I'm like, good God. I mean, this kid has been through some stuff. And Casey was, that's why he's a two-time Super Bowl winner. Should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Probably my favorite Longhorn. You know, we need to get him on the show, by, by the way.
3: He was a man that knows tackle. He was some bad. <laughs> he was very hard to move for those teams, for Pittsburgh and obviously the Longhorns. And yeah, that's that's crazy. And you know, we were nervous about that chip before the season. We were nervous about the leadership. We kind of knew where it was going to come from, especially with Jalen Ford. And we thought that Quinn Ewers eventually will get to that leadership point. But with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson and Demarvion Overshone all going to the mm-hmm. National Football League, league we were wondering who's that guy gonna be and you're absolutely right like every position there's somebody that's a leader and that guys look at for guidance and just like okay this guy takes care of his business on the field and he's gonna help me off the field help those younger guys like a Malik Muhammad and Anthony Hill and CJ Baxter and stuff you know we don't talk about Keelan Robinson much but that dude's one of the captains of this team like, what he brings to the table for the special teams, and we haven't seen them much offensively at all, which is very interesting. But, hey, this dude is still a huge part of what the Texas, Long- what Texas Longhorns do from day to day, and that's very comforting. You know, that's I think that's just that's huge. Like quick, obviously Quinn Ewers, he's gotten better with his leadership. You hear the stories in the offseason about him not taking no shit and him kind of barking at guys and making them listen up, and you just kind of see the swagger and see the aura that he has now. But yeah, man, the offensive line, Christian Jones coming back, like he's not afraid to speak up in year six and stuff, and then you got Again, on that other side, just T-Sweat and Byron Murphy. And you mentioned how that brings out the best in Alfred Collins, who quietly is having a solid season. We still want more for him. Again, this guy was a five-star coming out of Cedar Creek. But, you know, with all the other guys Hey, he's doing his job and Ethan Burke and Jet Bush. Like Jet Bush is a leader of this team in a way. He's been here long enough. I see him on the highlight clips talking and stuff and getting guys pumped. Like that dude, you know, he has something to say. So there's a lot of they've been to, like there's so many different guys that you could choose from that you feel comfortable with bringing in every day because they just have the right attitude. They just have the right moxie about them and you need that to win big 12 championships you need that to win national championships because the coaches they can only do so much they can only bitch at you for so much and tell you this and that and you know get in your face and spit in your face that only goes so far but when players are doing all that in stuff, your face oh you never have no coach spit in your face not like a straight loogie like not anything like that just like they're talking and they're getting excited <laughs> Yeah, they're getting excited and animated and stuff, and you just feel that, oh, absolutely disgusting. CC, you know I'm talking about you in a way. But, yeah, that's, that's what happens. I can only go so far, Chip. You know that. Like when you have player accountability in the locker room where you can look at this guy and say, yo, Oh, I'm going to listen to him. I could talk to him like Casey Hampton did Chris Sims that day. That goes a long way for your team's success. And I think this Texas team has that.
2: You Were you the enforcer
3: in your locker room? No, because I knew that it was, you know, with my pops and stuff, it was too much. Like I was like, yo, I need some quiet. You know, 'cause I already have to deal with that when I get home. I gotta deal with it in practice on the court. So I'm not gonna be the one to tell guys anything. I was I was more of the loose funny guy like the jokester of the group if things got too tight and stuff I would bring everybody down with like a joke or something like I remember in games we'd be having like big games and stuff and we'd be like huddled up without the coaches and I would like point in the crowd and be like hey look at so and so that girl up there she come to check you out she come to see you or oh look at old some some's mama on the opposing team over there damn she big like just stuff like that just to loosen things up because they so, get he was
2: the bad cop yeah, and oh, you yeah. were the
3: good cop. Yes, yes. And did Cece see that and appreciate that? Yeah, I think he did. Now, when we lost, he didn't like it because he just thought I was giggling and scratching and stuff. But <laughs> when when we got dubs, yeah, he appreciated. it. You know, just what was your
2: best game? What was what was your um, like? If I say what was your best game, what's the
3: first game that pops in your head? Uh, junior year against Westlake. Easy. Easy. We were down probably by 15 or so. Our best player, Jeremy Green, that ends up going to Stanford because Rick Barnes won in Jacobin Brown over him. He was a four-star player. And, yeah, it was between Jacobin or Jeremy. And, obviously, Roddy Terry and Rick Barnes went with Jacobin. But he goes down in, like, the third quarter with an ankle injury. So, everybody, this is a rival game. It's West Leg. Like, CeCe's been up three nights in a row preparing for him type stuff. It's a big game it means a lot and your boy hit like four threes in a row got us within three our big man hit a three to send us into overtime we end up winning the game and yeah Holler, yo man i was clutched that day i was clutch like i don't know what got into me but we ran like three plays in a row where i was coming off a screen for three and i knocked them all down and then i hit a spot up one on a fast break and Yo, I was yelling in the crowd, hollering, and spit flying and stuff, beating my chest like Durant. I was on one chip. I was hype. And yeah, that was a glory moment. Was for me. that at Westlake or was it? Yes. At- That's what makes it sweeter. It was at Westlake. You look over there at the wall, you see Chris Mims' jersey hung up and Brad Buckman's jersey hung up. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just making life horrible for all these rich mucks out here. And that's how it is. It's a rival game, man. I need that. I need that. I need any type of motivation. Oh, you rich mother think y'all better than me? Y'all think y'all better than us? Make it personal. Come on, man. Make it personal. Oh, yeah. Gotta make it personal. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people still remember. I'll I'll see a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time. Like, man, I remember that game against Wesley. You play, you were hitting threes and stuff. They won't remember anything else. They won't remember the eight turnover game I had probably two weeks later or something like that. But they remember that Wesley game, man. Yeah, I'll never forget that one. Who did Westlake a- have? Um, they had a kid named Cody Doolin. And I play I grew up with him. We played AAU together. He was a year younger, but he could go. He ended up going to uh University of San Francisco where Bill Russell, you know, was the man back in the fifties oh, yeah. and stuff. And then he transferred to UNLV. He was good, man. Cody Doolin was really good. He was a all-State player, but yeah, it Westlake. Man. They're not just football players. They had some hoopers. Oh, yeah. They had, they had some hoopers come through that. So K.J. Adams, right? K.J. Adams, yeah. Yeah, K.J. Adams, exactly. Yeah, so, K.J. Yeah.
2: Adams. Yeah. Man. Yeah, we talked to Michael Swain yesterday. Yeah. This Kansas basketball team is going to be loaded, of course. I know. We're not going to have Arterio, but, man, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be
3: interesting, KJ and – Hunter Dickerson playing together because KJ was the five. He was the center last year. So now he's gonna be moved to more of a four-power forward spot and be on the perimeter more. And you know, you and I, we both know his trainer, Zach Urbanis, with BTY basketball. You I know you've had him on your show in the past that Zach went to Bowie, One of my best friends, his little brother was in my wedding, and he's he's just a great guy. So if Zach, I I know Zach, and if him and KJ have been working on that outside shot that is not good for the nation because if that dude gets a knockdown mid-range jumper or even a three-point jumper uh especially when you gotta stop guys like McCuller and Hunter Dickerson and those Jayhawks which are always good but they might be special once again they got McCuller yeah but I remember Kevin McCuller they transferred from Texas Tech he was there last year yeah but-
2: he he was kind of the big man last year against Texas because they were down some injuries and Texas got after him man that's when Dylan Dizu broke out
3: yeah yeah in the big world tournament it's weird how they use him because he's more of a point forward like he's really good with the ball in his hands bringing wow. it up and stuff but they love DeWan Harris like Bill Self and Dewan Harris it's like he adopted the kid how much trust that he's always had on him and when Dewan Harris plays bad Kansas usually loses I mean that's not very often but I've seen Dewan Harris struggle at times and Kansas always struggles when he does but last year I thought that sometimes he should have given the ball up and let McCullough orchestrate the offense and you know bill self had his medical issues so who knows if he were healthy what w- they would have done in march madness and stuff but yeah and chris bennett's right nick Foles did play basketball yo chip this dude was like a 6-5 dirk i ain't bsing this dude was like a 6-5 dirk he was athletic enough but still like yo, this dude's slow and it's like it, it don't matter he would shoot that fadeaway. he had range and stuff he had a huge like game winning three against Bowie at Bowie his sophomore season and thank goodness for basketball they I mean excuse me for football thank goodness he started getting recruited and all this stuff and he was like you know what Maybe I should just focus on one sport because if he would have kept playing, if I would have saw him my sophomore year, his senior year, oh Lord have mercy. I don't know how I don't know if I would have ever beat Wesley. I really don't. Because Nick Foles, he he could play. He was like a mini dirk, a six-five dirk. He was he was different. He had these giant hands too, obviously, and he just put the ball big, anywhere he wants it.
2: Big blank Nick.
3: Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, gosh.
2: Get him on that show.
3: Yeah, yeah, great guy. Great guy. Every time he sees me, he's like, Little call Collier, what's up, man? What's up? And I'm like, oh, you remember me? huh? what's up, Nick? You know, dapping and stuff. That dude, Chip, when he was getting ready for the combine and getting ready for the whole draft process, he was, like, just training at the Lifetime Fitness off Mopac. Since Southside, he was just training there, working out there like a normal dude, like an ordinary guy. Like he wasn't written down any space time at one of these crazy facilities around town. He was just like a normal everyday citizen going to the lifetime fitness or like a gold gym or something like that. Getting his workout in, preparing for the draft. And, hey, he's had a pretty good career, if you ask me.
2: I mean, he has had the most like – Weird. Journey. He, he was going to go to Arizona state. Then the coach left. So he goes to Michigan state. He's there with Kirk cousins and Brian Hoyer. (sighs) And he's like, okay. And he wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't the favorite of the coach. So he goes to Arizona. And then he sits behind Matt Scott. Who's not great. Matt Scott goes down in an injury. They're down 20 points, Oregon State. Nick leads them all the way back and they win the game. And Mike Stoops has to stick with them. Oh, Nick Foles finishes his time at Arizona as the Pac 12's most accurate passer. And then, you know, he's just kind of floating around the NFL, getting, you know, plays for Jeff Fisher, the quarterback killer. (laughs) And it's like getting ready to be done. And Doug Peterson, who had been with Nick Foles in Kansas City for a couple of years, was like, hey, man, come to Philadelphia. And, man, Nick loved Philly. I'm like, no one loves Philly. Like, those fans will turn on you so fast. Right. Like, you're only good to them if you just won your last game. And Nick kept winning. And it killed him that freaking Chip Kelly comes in. Nick is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he threw for seven touchdowns in one game. He and Peyton Manning. And Chip Kelly trades him for Sam Bradford. That's when he ended up in it with the Rams. And he's like, F this. And, And then he ends up back with Philly and leads them to their first ever Super Bowl. Has a statue outside the link. And I'm like, Nick, that's what I call redemption, dog.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. Because he's, I mean, look at him now. Like, no one takes him seriously. And, yeah, you got to have an offensive line because he's a big, strong dude. He's he's like Carson Palmer. He's not going to run away from you, but he's going to throw the football. He's going to throw it accurately if you've yeah. got an offense. It's ridiculous. And then he goes to the Colts, and Jim Ursay is like, no, we're not playing him. What? Unbelievable.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, the last time I saw Nick Foles on the football field, Kayvon Thibodeau was doing snow angels right beside him while he was hurt. As funny as that was, it was sad at the same time because yeah, I know Nick's a Westlake guy and I give West Lakers a lot of crap on here, but that was my dude, man. And yeah, he's had an interesting career but I bet you he wouldn't take anything away from it. Now a lot of people would say he stole money in Jacksonville. Like that contract that he had for the Jags. Uh, yeah, but they didn't even really,
2: They didn't pay him that much. And he would have stayed in Philly for a 2-year deal for 14 11 million even. And then he, they paid him to go to Jacksonville and he broke his collarbone, it, yeah. it was like the Aaron Rodgers situation. Like as soon as the season started, snap, his collarbone's toast. And then Minshew mania starts. Ugh. And, I mean, you'd think that Nick Foles was Mark Sanchez the way the the Colts, the Jets, you know, he goes to the Bears. They're a train wreck. It was like, uh, can we pick a better team?
1: Yeah. Because,
2: I mean, I heard Nick told Nagy, listen, man, you're losing the team here. We got to do some stuff. And Nagy just was like, well, you're third string. Like, instead of trying – like, Foles went to him in confidence. He didn't – like, he's probably mad that I'm saying that. But it's it's crazy to me. Like, his – he's always the guy that gets left behind. And then he's the guy that outplayed Tom Brady, had to lead a game-winning touchdown drive, When Brady threw for 500 yards, Nick Foles to Zach Ertz, fourth down conversion. I mean, go back and watch that Super Bowl. It's the greatest MVP performance we've ever seen in a Super Bowl. Yeah. And people are like, what? Nick Foles? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Go watch it. Yeah. Yeah. He turned the needle every time.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And Philly's special. That was his call. Philly special. He called that play, not Peterson. Yeah. When Tom dropped the pass that game, did he not? Yeah. <laughs> oh thank goodness for Elon Manning and Nick Foles. Wow. Good I mean brief.
2: I mean. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Well, all right, what is Lance Taylor telling me? Okay. Come on, dude. Yeah. Um yeah, he's Lance I guess is in I got stuck on a phone call but he should be uh should be jumping in here any minute
3: important guy i get it important you know
2: guy. what i mean he's, he's in guy
3: to, yeah he talks to Nick Saban like on a weekly basis does he not uh, i it, it makes sense he's an important guy
2: well lance's lock.com for the picks interesting games this week okay outside of texas kansas zay i mean in the big 12 you got houston at tech tech should yeah. get should get right in that game. If they don't, watch out. Baylor at Central Florida. Central Florida is going to beat that backside. Iowa State at OU. The only reason I'm interested in Iowa State at OU is to see how much Iowa State can slow down Oklahoma's offense because Oklahoma has these crazy good numbers, but they struggled with SMU. They scored late to pull away there, and let's let's bring in the man himself, Mister Lance's Lock. Look at that; he's got his own T-shirt. God, <laughs> Lance,
4: how dude, I apologize. Here, um, I have had so much crap going on, but I'm good, and I'm
2: sorry. You're all right, man. I'm Forgive getting me. Your, getting your Lance'sLock.com. Uh, billing there okay we were just talking about the games in the big 12 I think tech smacks Houston around I think Central Florida smacks Baylor around I want to see if Iowa State can slow down Dylan Gabriel and OU because I'm, I'm OU's got these great numbers they look great but like who do they have outside of Dylan Gabriel like I think their defense is legit. I'm not sure about the offense. Yeah,
4: I'm not sure about the offense either. And it it looked like it got a little sidetracked against Cincinnati last week. Uh, I don't know, though. I mean, Iowa State just doesn't look like they've got the guys that can play with Oklahoma. But, you know, I brought this up earlier this week. Somebody is going to dick up um, the Red River shootout. And I don't think it's going to be Texas. You know, if Kansas was playing Oklahoma, I kind of feel like Kansas might beat them. I just think Texas is too good right now. And I don't think Kansas is going to sneak up on them. Kansas is undefeated. Kansas beat them in overtime two years ago in Austin. Um, But I get this feeling that maybe Iowa State – I mean, hell, we saw Iowa State – what was it, over Oklahoma State on a Friday night back in 2011 that put Alabama back in the national championship. So, you know, I mean, Matt Campbell hasn't forgotten how to coach. I don't think they're very good. But, I mean, this could be one of those spots. I – I just find it hard to believe that we're going to get the perfect leaving the Big 12, the perfect FU, um, undefeated Oklahoma, undefeated Texas. I hope we do, but I'm not going to be surprised if somebody jacks that thing up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. I think Texas is going to pound OU. I think this Texas – okay, so the spread for Texas-Kansas. It's big. It's coming down, though. It's, It's like it's 16 and a half now. Um, is that too big? Uh,
4: it's an interesting question. You know, it's one of those that I think it could go down to a final possession or I think Texas could steamroll them. I mean, again, Lance Leopold's done a great job. Jalen Daniels, uh, they're averaging 38 points per game. Um, they won with a lot less manpower two years ago. Um, I mean, they're 4-0 for the, the first time consecutively since 1915. I mean, Lance Leopold has done an incredible job with this. But again, you look player for player, it's just it's not even close talent wise. So I feel like Texas will be really ready. I think I might even play Texas in this game. I'm looking at Tech, I will not be playing Kansas. So I'm looking to play Texas in this game. I think Texas is good. I mean, they're just they are good. There's just no other way to put it. They are one of the best teams in college football. I've heard multiple people that I respect, guys like Greg McElroy. Um, Guys like Tom Luganville say Texas is the best team right now in college football. And I, I mean, I can make that argument easily. Yeah.
3: Lance, what'd you see last week in that Alabama-Mississippi game? Obviously, Ole Miss has another big game this week playing against Brian Kelly and the Tigers of LSU. But Jalen Millro, he made the right throws when he needed to, and it seems like he solidified that number one spot for Nick Saban in that offense. What did you notice in that game, man, with the Crimson Tide?
4: Yeah, Zay, I'll start with the defense. I mean, they held Ole Miss three points in the second half. I mean, outside – and you guys were watching outside of that fourth quarter against Texas where Ewers made some really, really good throws, Alabama's defense has been lights out. So Alabama's got, to me, one of the top five defenses in all of college football. Now Deontay Lawson, their, their middle starting middle linebacker, who actually calls, makes the defensive calls, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks, it looks like. They're saying he's questionable for this game, doubtful for the game coming up this weekend. Um, I do not think he will play this weekend against Mississippi State. But I expect him to be back, you know, maybe for a and So that'll be a little bit of a loss. But their defense is great. And I think Jalen Milrow, this is a get-right game for him. You look at the last two weeks, Jaden Daniels completely lit up, uh, lit up uh, Mississippi State. You look last week, Spencer Rattler lit him up. Not that Milrow is the quality of those quarterbacks yet. He just doesn't have that experience. Um, but I think he settles down a little bit. I think he has a big game here. I think more and more design runs. And uh I think Alabama is a sneaky good team. I really do. You know, Texas popped them, no doubt about it. But let's not forget Alabama had fourth quarter lead there, didn't play well. And uh I think Alabama's gonna bounce back. Whether or not they can run the table and get back in the mix, we'll see. But they should be able to ha- or should be able to handle Mississippi State easily. And I think Jalen Milrose is gonna end up being a better quarterback. I think this is gonna end up being a good story. I think he knows this team is his. Uh Tyler Buckner is definitely not the answer. Ty Simpson's not the answer. They're going to move forward with Milrow, and I think he's going to make plays.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think Alabama's going to end up being just fine. Okay, Notre Dame at Duke. Notre Dame, uh, 10 men on the field, back-to-back plays. Ohio State scores late and wins that game. Your thoughts on that one? And then Notre Dame going to Duke where game day is going to be. I love I love Mike Elko and what he's doing there. I do
4: too, man. I can't hype up a coach more than I hype up Mike Elko. He's just done an incredible job from the DC at um, Notre Dame to the DC at Texas A&M. Now, what he did last year, and a lot of people forget, they were nine and four last year with Riley Leonard at quarterback. Didn't have the experience they've got. You know, much more experience, better players this year. That nine and four, all four losses by one possession or less. Three of the four losses by three or less points. They were close last year. They've already got a signature win, popping Clemson, you know, opening night in Durham. Now college game day's there for the first time ever. It's a nighttime game. Notre Dame is coming off a emotionally draining physical game against Ohio State where they lose on the last play. I think it's a good spot for Duke. I think Duke is right there with Notre Dame. I think they might be the better team. Now they get them in a great spot where they're coming into Durham. Not that that's like some kind of major environment, but Notre Dame is defeated coming into this game, and I I like Duke in this game. I really do.
3: Yeah, Riley Leonard is really underrated, that quarterback in the ACC, at alone the nation lands. Uh, let's talk about Ole Miss. They got a big one against LSU, and, you know, yeah. Lane Kiffin, he doesn't beat his mentor, Nick Saban, once again, which I know that's eating him alive, but he has to move on and face Brian Kelly and these Tigers. What do you think is going to happen in this game? How's it going to play out?
4: Well, you know, Zay, you and I are just getting to know each other. Chip's known me forever. He knows I'm a contrarian. i love to go against the public. Everybody's on LSU here, but I can't buy it. Lane Kiffin and all of his years, uh, uh, head coach. He's 9 and 23 against top 25s. He dropped another one last week against Alabama. Quenchon Judkins cannot be 100% in LA at 13 touches last week. And LSU, I don't know where to read them. You know, they were self inflicted mistakes against Florida State. They looked great against Mississippi State. Then they came back to earth against Arkansas. Um, this is one of those games I probably stay away from just because there's so much public money on LSU, but LSU is the better team. I don't trust Lane Kiffin. Brian Kelly's a much better head coach. Um, I like Jackson Dart, but Jaden Daniels is still a better quarterback. I like LSU, but I don't
2: think I'll play it. Interesting. All right. So AM, Connor Wegman. This this is that's just brutal. Um AM's going to Arkansas. Lance what what's I mean Connor Wegman looked like he's got it now he's hurt your thoughts on this it's an 11 a.m. kick the Aggies going into Vietnam
4: okay much like I don't play um against or play with the public I typically don't play these 11 o'clock early games I did last week I played A&M got away with it they won the game 27-10 watching that game Auburn's quarterback situation, 9-23 of 23 for 56 yards between three quarterbacks, absolutely awful. There was still a minute after the Eugene Asante return that Auburn had an opportunity to cover. When Wegman went down, I thought it was over. But Max Johnson comes in, and this is a kid, two years at LSU, now two years at a I thought he looked really good. Now, whether or not he can come in now knowing he's the starting quarterback, We'll see if that, you know, is different. He's got weapons around him. He's got a great play caller in Bobby Petrino. A&M's just a better team than Arkansas. There's something missing from Arkansas right now. Rocket Sanders has obviously been huge. Um, you know, they they played a nice and emotional game. Uh, they were ready for LSU, but they couldn't close the deal last week. And these were typically tight games that A&M finds a way to win. I like A&M this one. I probably
2: would lay the points too. Sorry, and they're playing at Jerry World. Yeah. Not not now. Nah.
4: Always Jerry World. Always Jerry World. Until, until, until after this year and then not Jerry World.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey lance man oregon state they lost a tough one against washington state last week and they got another good one this saturday against or excuse me tomorrow actually against utah the Utes. how do you think that game is going to play out top 10 or top 25 matchup
4: are we ever going to know if cam rising's playing he warmed up um then he comes back out with street clothes didn't play in utah their defense is so Good. Uh, they're only giving up 66 yards on the ground. On the other side, Oregon State is getting it done with their running game led by Damian Martinez. I think they're going for 228 a game right now. Something's got to give there. Um, I never doubt Kyle Whittingham, but I love Jonathan Smith, two great underrated coaches in this one. DJ has not played well for the Beavers yet, but on the other side, you probably have Nate Johnson, a freshman that's got great wills, not a lot of ball security, fumbled three times against UCLA, uh, lost two of those fumbles. This is gonna be a tight game. I'll lean Utah, but uh, this is one of those that I haven't figured out yet. I think it'll be a fantastic game, and it's kind of an elimination game for Oregon State in a really, really difficult Pac-12.
2: Lance, you nailed Oregon last week. You you said that my buddy who bet thirty three thousand on Texas to beat Baylor, and he's he's ecstatic. You said bet it on Oregon. You you were right.
4: Hey, well, he was right too.
2: He was right too. But uh, Oregon you know, whips up on on the fighting primes. Now they're going to play USC. Neither neither one of these teams play defense. Take the over. What, do you, what are you seeing for USC Colorado?
4: Yeah, again, it's 11 o'clock game, which is 9 o'clock cent, or, um, Pacific time for the USC guys. I still think USC didn't show a lot last week. People are now dogging out Alex Grinch's defense again because they didn't tackle well against Arizona State. First road game of the year, they'll be they'll be amped up for Colorado. And Shadur Sanders, I don't know if he's going to survive the season. He's been sacked 26 times. And dude, he has taken some blows. And he was lucky to get out of Eugene alive. And now you're facing, you know, you say what you want about this defense, but they're third in the FBA with six or third in the FBS with 16 sacks. They force turnovers. Um, they've got playmakers all over the field offensively. I mean, if USC does what they need to do and they don't turn the football over and they haven't been turning the football over, um, I think Colorado is going to be one of these teams. They've got wins coming up against Stanford, maybe Arizona State, maybe Arizona, but they're going to get a little worse each and every game just for the fact that their depth is going to continue to break down. And I think USC is just is too much. If USC... If USC dicks around with this team and only wins by a possession or two, USC's got problems moving forward because they are some really, really good teams in the Pac-12. But I fully expect USC lights on here, um, what we will call you know, the big game on Fox. I think they'll be ready for Colorado. So I would probably lay it here, and I probably would play the over.
3: Yeah, Lance, there's Sanders. He has a lot of ice on his wrist with his watches and stuff, but I know he has a lot of ice on his ribs and his back because that dude <laughs> gets hit hard, man. And, hey, I got to give it to him. He is tough. He's uh, tough,
4: man. But, I mean, you can't – he can't endure this. I mean, 26 sacks through four games, and that's not to mention the quarterback hurries and all the pressures. I mean, it's nonstop.
3: Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. What you got yeah. in the – Oh, go ahead, Shep. Yeah, no, I was going to ask the
2: same thing. What, uh, what, what do you got going over at Lance'sLock.com? You got any uh, picks? I will. Say
4: this, man, I try to be transparent because you can go to the website and you'll see what we did the day before every day. And the last two nights, I've only given out one baseball play because baseball down the stretch has gotten so difficult. Now, once we get back into the postseason, we get the true pitching matchups. We'll come back around. But just heartbreaking losses in baseball. So I'm, I'm totally out on baseball until the postseason starts next week. But that's fine because we've got football starting tonight through Monday night. We've got a side tonight in the NFL. We've got a side in one of the college games, lanceslog.com. We give you a free play every single day. It's only $100 a month. We've been in business nine years. We've only had one losing year. We were up 18 units last weekend. So uh, we're, we're, we're killing it again, lanceslog.com. Try us out. Again, it's only 100 bucks a month.
2: Yeah, Lions, go. Packers tonight. My Lions. I mean, are you feeling it? Are you feeling the roar?
4: Uh, Packers are so beat up. I think t- uh, Taylor Decker's coming back in the lineup to play left tackle for you guys, which Sewell switched back to his natural position on the right side. No David Montgomery, but this is the night maybe Jameer Gibbs they actually see what they can do with Gibbs. And golf has been really good, man. He's got weapons. Laporta, Sam Laporta has been a nice surprise tight end, the rookie. Christian Watson comes back tonight for the Packers. Aaron Jones comes back with that hamstring injury. So it should be a great game, man. Your pack, who used to get whipped, or excuse me, your lines used to get whipped by the Packers going for their fourth consecutive win against the Green Bay Packers. Wow.
3: That's crazy. Hey, anyway, were you shocked by um... – Cowboys lost last week, even with the whole Trayvon Diggs situation, the Cardinals still got him in a game that we were all shocked by.
4: Yeah, and I've talked to people and they're like, oh, you can't be shocked, man. They lost their their their, their dude in uh, the secondary and Trayvon. And I'm like, well, if if you're going to lose after Trayvon to the Arizona Cardinals as 11 and a half point favorites, you got you got problems um Dallas probably not as good as we build them up but it's the NFL and these things happen I'm just surprised Joshua Dobbs right now is fourth in the NFL in completion percentage um look they're they're playing for their coach I thought that they would absolutely tank it for Caleb Williams but they're scrapping out there but on the other side the Dallas Cowboys just aren't a physical team right now I know Ryan Day got pissed off that Lou Holtz called out of Ohio State for not being physical but when I look in the NFL right now San Francisco is really physical um you know i think the philadelphia eagles are still really physical the miami dolphins don't have to be physical because they're so damn fast but uh right now the dallas cowboys i don't know that's terrible also but i was
2: surprised yeah they're they're kicking field goals in the red zone man they're they're they got to get it going yeah At uh anything else in the nfl got your attention
4: uh I was upset with the officiating against my Rams on Monday night. I mean, I, I just two two Atwell was in. That should have been seven nothing. Those four points ultimately cost him the game. Logan Wilson was fumbling around on that interception. They didn't overturn that. I'm not a lot of conspiracy theorists, but I know the Bengals have got a lot of primetime games coming up. The NFL doesn't want a losing product on there. Um, but I was pissed off about that. We got to push though with the Rams. Um So I'm more focused on the Rams than anything else right now in the NFL. But I am excited to see Miami go to Buffalo because Buffalo seemed to be that team in the AFC East, especially once Aaron Rodgers went down that would control the division. But Miami just, I mean, without Jalen Waddell, they scored 70 points. I mean, if Tua stays healthy with the way the creativity of Mike McDaniel calling plays, I mean, that's going to be a tough team to beat, but they get their first really big test this week
2: in Buffalo. Lance'slock.com for the picks, kids. Give Let's it a get shot. It. Let's get into, it. We got yeah, gear, sure.
4: too. We got gear.
2: Got gear. <laughs> yeah, I like I mean, that Next, shirt, next week, I'll, I'll wear my Lance's Lock T-shirt that I picked up when I came to see you there. and uh, I
4: like it, Chip. I like
2: it. Birmingham. All right. Yeah, and ahead. I
4: apologize again. I know I've been a little shaky on this. you alls show is my absolute favorite. We have people I'm dealing with people outside of the three hours we're doing on a daily basis. We're dealing with television personalities that have meetings with these, these team meetings. And so they're alternating on me all the time. So it's like, I've got to move it to this. And then I don't even think about it. And I jump on. So I got oh. to do a better job of remember, if you just remind me in the mornings, one thirty is y'all's.
2: I got you. I got you. Well then, hey, let's do it again next Thursday at one thirty, my man.
4: Absolutely, Zay. Chip, have a great weekend. Enjoy the games.
2: All right, there you go. Lance too, brother. Lance Taylor, Lance's Lock for the picks. Our SEC insider. The guy is absolutely wired when it comes to the SEC. I mean, you heard him. He, he knows everything about every team in college football. Um, love talking to Lance because he's gonna he's gonna break it down and he's setting the lines or whatever picking the picks for his lanceslock.com and he puts a lot of work into it so um always fun to talk to lance and and we're going to be talking to our man stretch so we got to take care of our sponsors real quick because we will be talking to glenn smith coming up here in a minute and uh you know from audio visual consultations to send text tickets 7-11 woods comfort systems you need you know they're gonna take care of you. Relax the back, the great uh chairs to make sure that you're you know taken care of. And of course, olipop Zay. Yes, sir. Come on, come on. Classic root beer,
3: the good stuff.
2: What about uh covert B Cave, Zay?
3: Yeah, shout out to Covert B Cave, Covert Auto Group, family owned automotive dealerships. I've been serving the greater Austin area for over a hundred years years and covert team has been a part of you know just high quality selection of pre-owned and new vehicles and outstanding service and satisfaction will have you geared up and ready to go to get the beautiful vehicle of your dreams all seven of the brands will hook you up from buick gmc cadillac dodge chrysler jeep and ram you will find exactly what you want at covert B Cave. So check out coverbcave.com for all the specials and inventory and yeah, nobody beats a covert deal, not now, not ever.
2: Love it. Love it. Um and don't forget about uh Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. That's uh, our friend Jack Gilmer, Gilmer. He's got uh, Jack Allen's Kitchen and his seafood restaurant is um you know, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. The best oysters, the best seafood. All-night happy hour on Mondays. That's your date night. Um, and you can check out Monday Night Football. Uh, happy hour every night from 3.30 to 6.30. Go check it out. The location's in Austin and Round Rock. You're going to love it. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. Our man Jack Gilmore is the man. Um, he worked with Larry Foles, <laughs> Foles' dad. Larry Foles is the restaurant savant. I call him the Stephen King of restaurants. Huh. He started Z Tejas, Eddie V's, Hop Dotty, Red Ash, ATX Casino. Man, I mean the guy is absolutely a restaurant oracle. Yeah, and Nick Nick's made probably more money off the restaurants than he has off of football. Okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but close. Um, because Pops is a genius. I'm always trying to like, hey, can I get in? Can, right. I, can I get in? Uh no, we we got our we got our investor. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> um, but uh, but Zay, um, our man stretch is a laugh riot. Last week we were talking to his forehead. Oh, I yeah, mean- what's gonna
3: be this week?
2: The yeah, he, great, he, man. He, said, like he said he's gonna be on his phone while
3: driving. Oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna tell that's him. Crazy, but hey, I'm sure somebody like him will get it done and be safe and be fine. We've had Lance do it, so why not stretch, huh?
2: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean,
3: yeah, that's never- commitment, man. That's commitment. Oh, yeah, oh, show. I'm still tripping off the Randy Moss story. That story is depressing and funny at the same time because, wow. Come on, Jerry. If only Michael Irvin didn't have those hookers in that motel <laughs> in the Dallas area with, uh, you know, a little sniff-sniff just hanging around. Maybe Jerry would have had more confidence to get Randy Moss, who had a little bit of baggage of his own. I don't know,
2: but. Yeah, the, the White House. Yeah, uh, Michael Irvin. They'll tell you stories, and if you've never read the book, I got it right up there. Boys will be boys. Um, Jeff Perlman does a really good job of documenting just how off the off the rails those cowboys were. So literally, Zay if you go to Valley Ranch, and of course they're not there anymore; they're in Frisco. If you go to Valley Ranch, you'd walk out onto the practice field, and you could see. Oh, we'll get Stretch to tell us a story. It's, this, is, this is way better. This is why we have Glenn Stretch-Smith, former Cowboys offensive assistant coach, uh, on the show on Thursday. stretch. We were just talking about the White House, how you'd walk out the practice field at Valley Ranch, and if you looked over the fence, right over there on the right, was the house where... Michael Irvin and the boys, being boys, were hanging out with the strippers and the (laughs) hookers. Right? Uh oh. Oh no! Oh no! We're getting like every other word. Have you got? A little bit.
3: Oh no! Now you're muted. Like, hey, uh, you got me now. A little got
0: bit.
2: Me now. Okay, yeah. Got me now. Oh no. You got, you got me now. <laughs> we got you. Do we?
0: Kinda.
4: All right, Chip, You there?
0: We're there.
2: Yeah.
0: Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah.
2: Yes. We were we were asking you about the uh, the White House. All right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong? What's What's wrong with my house? What was wrong with it? Well, to, uh, you know, have a little have a, uh, have a little meeting, and greet. You're going
3: to have to get them back.
2: Oh. <laughs> Alright, how long are you driving? When When will you be where you're
0: supposed to be? You want me to stop? You want me to ten minutes. Ten minutes,
2: okay. Ten
0: minutes. Ten, ten minutes. Right. Give me ten oh. minutes. Come on! Uh, yeah.
2: All right, there we go. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: stretch. We we had his forehead back.
3: Yeah, and the the camera work was fine. The lighting was great. Like, all yeah, looks good. A okay, that was on point. The sound mm, sounded like he
2: was had his phone in a wood chipper.
3: Yeah, I mean, he always jokes about his flip phone and stuff. That actually sounded. Uh, like the singular era flip phone days and BlackBerry days with what we were getting, but it's cool. It's cool. Ten minutes, two minutes, we can
2: and we'll get his version of the White House because that's oh, when that's man. when that's when Stretch was with the Cowboys.
3: Yeah, Stretch <laughs> and I heard a little bit of what he said. He said, "What's wrong with it?" Yeah, what's wrong, wrong with, with it? <laughs> what's wrong with it? Like I don't understand what's wrong with it, yo. What's wrong I, with it? A lot of women pay their bills doing those things. It's like that song by Usher. Yeah. I don't mind. Exactly. I don't, I don't mind. mind you.
2: I don't mind if you're up there working on that poll.
3: Yeah. What T pain say, he was in love with a stripper. Teddy Payne, King of Auto Tune. He was in love with a stripper. You know,
2: auto-tune.
3: Somebody somebody messed y'all's mind up thinking that we could talk down on these entertainers and sex workers and stuff. No, nah, no, nah, they make the world go round. So I'm with stretch, man. There he you is. Know, let those guys do those things. Let them do their thing.
2: <laughs> you got me. Oh, yeah, you sound great now. All right. All right. So yeah. the White House.
0: What about what about the White House? What's wrong with that? Little place to have a little meet and greet and a little <laughs> You know, share a little beverage. What's wrong with that? Right, that's what I'm saying. You're winning Super Bowls, so who cares? (laughs) That's that's exactly right. You overlook a few things when you're winning. When you're not winning, you make you know you make rat turds turn into elephant s. I won't say the word, (laughs) but that's the difference.
2: Rat turds turn into elephant s. Well, Michael Irvin, that was the thing. He epitomized work hard, play hard, right? I mean, he was going to be the last one off the practice field and the first one with the strippers and the hookers.
0: <laughs> I, just, I just don't see that being a problem, fellas. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I know one thing, if they'd have had Michael Irvin on the team, you wouldn't have seen what happened Sunday at the desert because I promise you he would have challenged those guys and they wouldn't have not been in, you know, they wouldn't have got in that position. That, that really is. I mean, I know you guys are talking about Mike and, I mean, all his off-the-field shenanigans. But i tell you one thing. When it came time to cut it loose and when it came time to go, there, there was nobody better than him. And that's, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. But I, I'm, I'm really concerned, you know, that they don't have enough Mike Irvin's, Troy Aikman's on this football team right now to be able to challenge anybody when you go out and it's hard to win out there chip, you know, it's hard to win out there in the desert, but when you go out there and you play flat and you play like, Hey, if they just roll the ball out there today, we're going to get it done. And and you get your ass whipped. I mean, that that, to me, that's a, that's a cause for alarm. I mean, we've been on here the last two weeks talking about drinking the blue Kool-Aid and mixing it with the real cane sugar. And right now it doesn't taste, taste worth a crap. So, uh, I'm really concerned about the Cowboys and about their lack of leadership and lack of having, you know, somebody like Mike Irvin who could absolutely put the football team on his shoulders and say, you know what, I'm going to show you how to make a play and I'm going to make a play and I'm going to change the tone of this football game.
2: Yeah, I mean, what's going on with the offense stretch because they're kicking field goals. You talked about this last week and it really got them. You know, thank God they got a good kicker because the guy's getting – his leg's going to fall off. He's getting so much work. But, man, they get in the red zone. And, God, oddly enough, Texas, the Longhorns are kind of this way. They're, they've struggled in the red zone too. But what what does it take to be a good red zone offense?
0: Well, I mean, I think you've got to – you know, you got to look and find the right matchups. And then, quite frankly, you got to be able to dial up the right plays. I mean, it's easy to sit here – and second-guess play call. And and we all know that. It's easy to be an armchair quarterback. But if you look at the series that the Cowboys went – they went for it on fourth down, which I have no idea why they went for it on fourth down, late in the third quarter, down by eight. And then they get Arizona to go three and out. They get the ball right back down there. First down, they run zone read and decide not to block the defensive end, who hits Dowdle right in the teeth. And then they run speed option – and they run speed option into into a double side where they've got two to block four. And you do, it, it makes you go, why, why did you, what is that? I mean, why would you call that? And then on third down, they run a fade where C.D. Lamb decides a good release would be to walk off the football. And he walks off the football. And, and I mean, even if you get a great release, that's about a 9% ball, so... I mean, these guys talk about analytics. You know they're looking at the analytics on that. And it's a series where it's exactly what you thought the Cowboys wouldn't do with, you know, getting rid of uh, of Kellen Moore and doing some different things. And it was a series where you saw them run speed option and not not only do you scratch your head, you scratch your ass and think, Why, what was that called? I mean, I, it, it's maddening. So I think, you know, they've got to get that straightened out. But To me, more than anything, this football team has got to get some leaders. they got to get some guys, and I'm talking about some guys with real leadership ability who can make plays. I mean, I know you remember, you know, even at the beginning of your time here, I mean, again, whether we needed to make a play or Woodson to make a play or Larry Allen to make a big, we had those guys. And, And I think the Cowboys have that type of talent. I just don't see that type of leadership coming out of this football team. And when you go to Arizona, and I think someone I saw a stat day before yesterday, the last ten times Dallas has played in the desert, they're two and eight. Two
2: and eight. eight.
0: Two and eight against a team that, come on, guys, this average is a damn bowl of grits. So <laughs> you've got to figure out a way to win those games and to go make a play, and you've got to have that you got to have that player who can step up and make that play for you.
3: Yeah, Stretch, they made the Arizona Cardinals look like shrimp and grits out there, which is a shame. And I'm with you on that, going for fourth down uh, when it's in the third quarter. I was talking to Chip about that this week. That was one of the worst calls that Mike McCarthy could have made.
0: Yeah, again, you're down eight. you, You had opportunity down there. I mean, kick the field goal, cut it to five. But, you know, there's just decisions being made in the NFL that I don't even understand. I mean, I'll go to the play before that. Arizona, it's uh, it's third and four from the five. And Arizona, and that's the other thing. Dak Prescott drops the snap, picks the snap up, has to get out of the pocket, throws the ball away, and, and Dallas gets called for a holding penalty, where it's fourth and four on the five. And, and Arizona decides to take the penalty. I'm like, why would you give them another down down in there and then and, and Dallas throws the option to Ferguson and gets back to the five yard line. So it's fourth and four and they don't convert. It's just, uh, it's one of those things where I don't understand the timing of when they're going for it or when they're not going to go for it. And it almost feels like that, you know, that McCarthy's gambling on a credit card. I mean, there's a reason why you can't put a 22% credit card down at the Choctaw. You better bring some damn cash.
2: all right so this this is the craziest thing about the nfl and i say this all the time to Zay, man if it's hard to keep these millionaires motivated when they think they're gonna have a light week and they're all looking around like oh my my teammates will will have it we'll we'll figure it out that's when you get bit it happened to the jaguars too against the texans but now you got the new England Patriots coming in and you said it. I mean, if they don't have p- player leadership like Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons should be the absolute pit bull leader of that football team. It, do you think that's who he is or?
0: I, I mean, I do think that's who he is. I think he's a little, you know, I think he's he's still a little young, um, you know, I'm concerned why doesn't an eight year veteran at quarterback step up and make that play? Why doesn't he challenge his football team? I'm tired of hearing him go to the mic and say, Hey, it's on me and we got to work harder or we got to practice harder. You know what? Just make a play in a critical time of the football game. And uh, yeah, I, I, I want, I want, I mean, I want Micah to step up and lead. I want Demarcus Lawrence to step up and lead. But, you know, right now, I just don't see that guy on this football team. And we know that they're really good. I mean, it's no fluke what they went out and went and did to both New York teams. But, you know, and I know it's tough every week to to, to get up. And you got to think, boy, we got, you know, in a week, we got Zeke coming in here and we'll we'll knock him around on defense. And then we're going to go play on Sunday night football and play the 49ers and and we got, we got back-to-back games, where we're going to have to go ball out. Well, you know, they went to Arizona and did what they did, and it, it's, it's frustrating, and it's frustrating as a Cowboys fan. You, you don't want to see that. You want to see a team do like Philadelphia did when they went and just handled Tampa the other night. Monday night football, they go run the football, and they assault a, a, a lesser defense, and Dallas absolutely could do that. I know they were missing three offensive linemen, but guess what? It's, that's a next-guy-up mentality, and they're good enough right now. To, and they showed they were good enough. They moved the ball up and down the field and couldn't get it done in the red zone. So, you know, just go win those type of games and show me that you have somebody on that football team who can step up and make a play at a critical time. It's not going to be any different than, you know, what you guys are seeing down there with Texas. I mean, they're going to get into a dogfight somewhere. I'll promise you. I don't know whether it'll be with Tech, whether it'll be with – You know, it'll be one of these games where they absolutely should and do have the better players, and they're going to have to have somebody step up and make that play because it is hard to get them up week in and week out. But as a professional, as a D1 Power 5 football player, you got to know you only got 12 or 13 chances in a year. You work all year for 12 or 13 chances. That's all you get in the NFL. You get 17 plus the playoffs. So you know what? You only got so many turns, and you better make and take advantage of every one of those turns. And if you don't, you're wrong. And, I mean, I I think it just reeks of immaturity with what the Cowboys did uh, Sunday out there in Arizona.
3: Yes, you talk about the immaturity And stuff, and you're right on point Absolutely, as a coach Have you dealt with a situation Like they are with Trayvon Diggs Like we know what number seven brings Like that's why he got paid the 97 million, but Trying to keep your team sane And still like excited and Optimistic for the season When they had so much to look ahead For with Trayvon Diggs being in the Lineup and now he's out Now they have to deal with the fact that he won't be here how do you get those guys from mentally not just you know oh damn well this season's over with or just like keeping them upbeat and like okay we still got a job to do we could still get to the super bowl and do some serious things yeah it's
0: it's you know attrition injury is part of the game i mean we don't we we hated to see that it was in practice during one-on-one i mean probably the worst time you could see it but guess what? It, it's a next man up mentality. And Dallas is deep enough to go and say, hey, you know what? We're, we're Yeah, we're going to miss Trayvon. But guess what? It's the next guy up. And that's how you got to play the game. And that's just that's just how it is. I mean, I don't like using all that coach speak and all that stuff. But the bottom line is you're going to have injuries and you're going to have to it's a contact game and you're going to have to be able to overcome those injuries and it's unfortunate again it's a season ending deal but guess what it's a next man up and 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 they're they're, Dallas is going to have to take that absolute approach because it is so early in the season but it's not any different than any other NFL team deals with when you you're going to lose guys and that's part of the game and you got it you got to have the next man up mentality and like I said I mean I'm I'm sure at some point in the season I hope it doesn't happen you know they'll they'll be There'll be injuries with every football team, and, and it's got to be a situation where you can step up and have that next guy play. And you kind of have to practice with that mentality, too, where, hey, you know what, we're a next-man-up team, and if this guy goes down or that guy goes down, we got to have the opportunity to have that other guy take the bull by the horns and say, hey, you know what, I'm the starter now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold this position down, and I'm going to show that, you know, that, hey, I'm worth the money that I'm making.
2: Yeah. Well, this game against the Cardinals was in Dak's hands, and they needed him to make a play, and he didn't. And now he's getting testy. Oh, I'm sure this is what the media wanted. And so now let's see how he bounces back because he's got Mike McCarthy now. They should be huddling and figuring out a way to out Fox Bill Belichick. What do you think happens this Sunday?
0: Well, I mean, I do believe that Dallas will bounce back. I mean, they're, they're a good enough football team. Uh, you know, you get punched in the mouth one time, and, 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 and you figure out, hey, you know what? Those other guys are on scholarship too, and every once in a while you got to go through that. But like I said, you don't want it to be a loss. You don't want to lose. And so I, I think Dallas goes out and handles business against the team that they should beat, in New England.
2: What uh... – what are you thinking about your Longhorns? They went down to, to the Baptists and smacked them around.
0: Uh, you got you to love that. I mean, go down there to Waco and just and just kick their ass. I mean, I, I, that's kind of – I like that mentality. I mean, I really do. I, I like the mentality of going in and taking care of business, and when you should beat a team, you whip their ass. What's wrong with that? And, I, and and like I said, I I said I asked because I'm too old to stand up here and say bottom and button Bobo. So hopefully I'm not offending any of your listeners.
2: Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> We're unfiltered. We're Texas sports unfiltered.
0: I got all you. right. So well, well, that's what Baylor got him a NAS whipping. How you like that?
2: <laughs> that's right. You got to make sure your shiva getter's full, right?
0: <laughs> that's exactly right.
2: <laughs> they need to. They need to make sure their shiva getters full for uh, for the Kansas Jayhawks Saturday at two
0: thirty. I, you know what? Bring them on in here. They think they they think they've rediscovered football and in Lawrence. And you know what? That's exactly what it's exactly what you want to see Texas do. I hope it's about 95, 96 degrees out there, and they they're drinking that pickle juice and give them a ass whipping and send them right out there to Bergstrom Airport and send them home
3: uh pickle juice for them cramps huh
0: (laughs) well or whatever maybe 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 that pickle juice for that white house y'all we're talking about you never know (laughs) (laughs) hey
2: now (laughs) and we talked to a crampologist this week and he said that it's been chilly in kansas and they're going to come down here and they're going to cramp up like crazy
0: (laughs) hey nothing like nothing like bananas and pickle juice. the problem is you eat too many of them bananas you know what will happen then you'll you'll be you'll be reaching for the baby wipes <laughs>
2: <laughs> what what uh anything else jump out at you in the n f of l
0: you know I, I not really i mean i i'm i'm you know i i still think that uh you know, like I said, I still think Dallas is, is is got every opportunity. Obviously, Philadelphia handled business. They're they're the they're the defending, you know, NFC East champs. I think we'll see and know a lot about where the Cowboys are um, after these next two weeks. And uh, I think we'll not we'll know a lot about where Texas is going into the Oklahoma game too. I mean, I I'm excited about what's going on in Austin. I I think I think it's wide open to to, to Get in the college football playoff, and all you got to do is get in the get in the tournament to win the thing. So, you know, I'll ask you guys. I mean, who's the best team in college football right now? I mean, are you really you really putting your finger and saying, "Hey, I think Georgia's the best team in the country they They got in the damn pillow fight with South Carolina. So, I, I mean, I I'm not sure who I'd you know who I'd I'd, I'd really feel strong about saying um, this early in the year is has got it either in the NFL or in college football right now.
2: Yeah, I think Texas yeah. and Florida State have the best wins. Yeah. They're the they're the most proven to me.
0: We'll I right, Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, I certainly wouldn't disagree with that. And I mean, I you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see how I think there's going to be somebody step out of all this too that nobody's really expecting. You know what I mean? I could see. Uh, I mean, I could see one of these teams, you know, stepping up. I mean, it, it, how's the yeah, yeah. How's A and M going to do now that the they Huskies. lost? Yeah, I, I like Washington, but how's how's A and M going to do? I mean, they're going to stump their toe this weekend against Arkansas. Because if they don't, I mean, they got enough talent in in, in College Station to get it done. So yeah, I, I well, it'll be it's it's going to be an interesting uh, next month, I think.
2: Max Johnson, yeah.
0: the lefty,
2: now, yeah, the lefty quarterback for the Aggies. Now that their superstar Connor Wegman is is uh, on the sidelines. Well, um, Stretch, you're going to be in town for the Red River Shootout.
0: You know I'm going to be out there. I, I with the with the State Fair starting tomorrow. I'm trying to figure out how to get it, get out there and get one of them sugar. That, you know they do a little different with those Dr Pepper guns on the on the, on the fairgrounds. I mean I don't know if you notice it or not, but a Dr Pepper at the State Fair, brother, is the big ticket. So yeah. you damn right, I'm going to get me a corn dog and a Dr Pepper. Absolutely.
3: There we Let's go. go. Let's
2: go. <laughs> right, were you ever in the White House? No.
0: No? No, sir. <laughs> I know I know I know exactly where it is. I could take you there. I know lots of stories. I've heard all the stories, but Chip, the answer is
3: no. Yeah. Did you read Did you Give us a story. You ain't got to say no names. Just a player, a story, that's that's as PG-13 as you can get it. Is this this what it's going to be every week? It's going to (laughs) end with story time,
0: a stretch every Thursday? Yes. I'll tell you this. So, right before we left Austin, uh, and it was the night, really literally the night, or two nights before, and the guys that were making the team had to take out their position group players to dinner. So, you know, if we had – one or two receivers. They had to take the receivers and they had to pick up the check. So on and so forth. You get it. Linemen defensive linemen and, and Barry wanted everybody back there a little bit early to make sure, you know, obviously when they pulled up the Hill there at St. Ed's, we weren't going to have any real issues or any real problems, or there wasn't going to be any, you know, any, any, <laughs> any shenanigans there at the, uh, you know, there at the dorms in St. Ed's. So, uh, I get back early and I'm sitting on the golf cart. Wade Wilson, who was our God rest his soul. I miss him, but he was our backup quarterback and he was, was you know, more experienced, older guy. And we'd gone out. Aikman had taken us to uh, Sullivan's, good steak. And we'd got back about 10 o'clock and they were doing about 11. So we're all sitting out in the golf carts and the guys start pulling back in some guys. I mean, I got news for you. This is before Uber, Chip. This is when you still had one of those flip phones when you were covering the Cowboys. One of those sweet Motorola thing was just this side of a CB radio. And we're out there, and we're kind of watching everybody pull in before Uber. You know, so it's the limos. And Mike Michael, since we're talking about Michael, steps out of a Uber and uh, or a, a limo. Said, "Hey, Stretch. Said, uh, go take a look in there." I was like, "Take a look in where? Let's take a look in that limo." So I took a little gander in there, and you know what I saw? About seven of them road lizards in there. that had nothing on but the damn radio. So, you know, there's there's your story for the week. I didn't go to the White House, but I looked in that I looked in that limo, and you can put two and two together and figure it out. You don't need to be magna cum laude at Harvard to know the rest of the story.
2: Oh, uh, I mean, is it possible for Michael Irvin to ever really be? anything other than the playmaker in every sense of the word? I mean. Oh, I
0: mean, you know, I love him. I'm just telling you, man, I love him. But he lived his life, and he he still does. He still does. I mean, he lives his life, you know, kind of right there on the edge and like him, dislike him, agree or disagree. I know one thing. When it came time and the lights came on, he he could have zero sleep. Brother, he was going to play that's a fact and he worked as hard as anybody has ever worked at the game and so you know as a coach and as somebody that was in the organization no big michael irvin doesn't have a bigger fan than stretch i love him but hey some of the things he did are, are a little questionable and you know what that's how it is hey
2: how it is yeah got three super bowl rings so there you go he's in the <laughs> he's in the hall. Listen, Stretch, exactly you're the right. best.
0: And where's it going? Man, have yourselves a great weekend. You too, Excellent my friend. Let's do it again next week. See you guys. Love see story guys, time. Have a good day. All right. Uh, <laughs> see you, man. Have a good day.
2: There he is, Glenn
3: Smith. Oh, man. Oh, my God. He said, when none on them road lizards, but the radio. Seven <laughs> of them. Ooh, playmaker living out here living in the ATX.
2: When Michael found religion, I was like I don't know how long he can hold on to religion with the way that he's lived cuz he's had he's he's always been the epitome of work hard play hard. I mean,
3: yo, he was like that at the U. Oh
2: yeah. Like,
3: yeah. it's the Florida boys, they don't play you know that work hard play hard Dion was about it too they did it differently but yeah if you're from that state you got it you understood june's girls walking around in bikinis that's their everyday attire and stuff like that oh yeah it's especially when you're a superstar like those guys were come on man it's too easy what those dudes and white man can't jump say it's Too easy, (laughs) too easy. It's too Too easy, easy, so yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's what Stretch is saying. The most important thing was when it was time to walk in and when it was time to work, they brought it. They brought it. So go have your fun. Please don't get into too much trouble where we have to make bail and get you out and be on the news Mm -hmm. and stuff. Obviously, those things happen a little bit, but not enough to where it took away from the classic Dallas Cowboys and being one of the greatest franchises of all time, especially during those nineties days. Yeah, man, work hard, play hard. That's what it's all about. Nothing on, but the radio. So good. Those
2: girls had nothing on, but the radio.
3: So good, man. Here's the
2: thing about Jerry though, too, say, and I've said this, Jerry loved that his team was partying balls and winning Super Bowls because Jerry loves to have a good time. Jerry is unbelievable. The guy is unbelievable. Owns 52 businesses, genius, transformed the NFL, made it to where owners could market their own stadiums, fought for Fox to come in, elevated everybody's revenue. He's made all the other owners rich. He's increased the value of every NFL team. Jerry Jones did that. And he fought for the salary cap when his team was loaded from plan B free agency. Like he fought for the salary cap when it wasn't even to his team's advantage, but he saw the future and he fought for the salary cap. Now he's totally mismanaged the cap a bunch of times because he gets romantic about players. He would pay old guys he paid Larry Allen when he shouldn't have paid Larry Allen he paid Leonard Davis and Roy Williams he paid dudes because he loved them and they helped him win and there's you can't be that way you can't yeah. be that way but he loved that his best player Michael Irvin partied just like Jerry did now I don't know I mean I don't know if Jerry partied like that yeah but, but Jerry Jerry parties I mean Jerry has a good time we know that and Jerry loved that. And I think it affected his draft. Like when I was there and they drafted, you know, Quincy Carter, they drafted, Oh God, they drafted a corner, a Ross, a kid from Ohio state who drove a car through a storefront. Like no one else was going to draft this guy, Derek Ross, I think. And Jerry drafted him. Like Jerry didn't care about off the field stuff. Cause he just wanted Ball players, but inevitably, oh God, I was there when they had Demetrius Underwood and Demetrius had some bipolar issues. The sheriff's department had to come and get him out of Valley Ranch. Alonzo Spellman they brought in. Oh, my God, Zay. It was like the Island of Misfit toys when I covered the Cowboys. They brought in everybody for a workout. They brought it. They brought they signed Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf played for the Cowboys. Wow. I want I covered him. Yeah. I mean, ugh, it was yeah. those were the dark days. Now it's a much better time. It's kind of like Longhorns. Um, you know, Longhorns fans are trying to, they're trying not to get too excited, Zay. But they want to. Yeah. They want to.
3: Yeah. And like I said yesterday, like as these days get closer and closer to Saturday, I get a little bit more nervous just because there's so much optimism you just mentioned like how excited these horn fans are they're seeing what we're seeing like we're seeing some dominance that we haven't seen in a long time especially with all the parody in college football i mean georgia's number one right now but do you trust them like jim hardball just getting back do you really trust that michigan team they look good but do you really trust them Florida State, they've looked good with their wins over Clemson and LSU. So they, they're they still going to have to keep winning. And same for the Longhorns. Like, just so much parity around. This is a grand opportunity for you to make your name and to do some serious damage on your way out of the Big 12, heading to the SEC. And in a year where it's the last season for a four-team college football playoff, you're right there in the mix. You're right there in the mix, so... You're hearing all the right things behind the scenes with the championship mentality, and it's a championship game every week. And you see guys like John A. Barron, and you see uh, guys like Jordan Winneton and JT Sanders, and just the mentality, Jalen Ford, that all of these leaders have that have been here for a while and have bought into what Steve Sarkeesian is throwing at them with his philosophy. Like it's all starting to mesh. And Yeah, even the high-quality teams that they're facing – it shouldn't matter like we've been waiting a long time to get to this point and we talked about it before this season just how deep this roster is they can be special well we're four games in they're four and oh and they look like they can be special so it's just going to get a lot harder the more games you win the more that magnifying glass is going to get closer and closer to try to dissect what you do wrong and more teams are going to look at you as a bullseye on trying to beat you so how you look at that and how you relish it and how you sweat that into motivation like hey i don't care what y'all bring at us we're gonna be locked in and we're gonna just do what we have to do to win that's the mentality that i think this horns team has that we haven't seen in a long time and i think that's huge if you're trying to win a big 12 championship and get in the cfp playoff
2: well i'm looking around at the other teams and i look at You know, why even Washington, they're unbelievable. They lead the nation in passing offense. They're number two in pass efficiency, number three in scoring offense. You know, their defense, I always look at scoring defense, obviously. They're giving up 17 a game. You can live with that. Um, Their uh, rush defense, eh, 56, giving up 124.5 on the ground. It might not be good enough. I mean, we'll see. I mean, look. TCU made it to the national championship game, and they were giving up 29 points per game. So, um, but I look at Washington, man, and I heard I, you know people are like, "Who's going to go take the Michigan State job?" And you know, people are like, "Oh man, Kalen DeBoer at Washington, Michigan State needs. Why would? I mean, I I, I get it." But Washington's going to the Big Ten. They're already going to be in the Big Ten. Is it that much easier to recruit to East Lansing, Michigan, than it is to recruit to Washington and live in Seattle? East Lansing's a dump. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm not leaving Washington for Michigan.
3: Oh, hell no. No. Oh, I'm not leaving Washington. Smoking legal weed and stuff like that. The Pacific Northwest. Hell no, I ain't leaving.
2: Now I might, if I'm at Washington state or Oregon state, I might leave. And those are two good coaches. Those are the guys Michigan state needs to be talking to. Hey, you want to come play with your old buddies here in the, you want to go pound on USC and UCLA, your old buddies here in the big 10. Come on. Yeah. Now that's, that's another story, but And Kalen DeBoer, that dude's not messing around. It's like Mike Elko. I mean, I was talking to some Aggies the other night. I was like, okay, you guys are so twisted about Jimbo. If you dump Jimbo and you throw $70 million out the window to get rid of Jimbo, who are you going to go get? I'm like, are you going to have the brains and the sense to go hire Mike Elko? Is that going to be a big enough name for you? Because that's who you should hire. And I think. I think they're coming around to it.
3: Interesting. I mean, does he like Durham? That's the thing. Like, is he okay with Stan? At Duke in the ACC, where we know basketball is king, so he doesn't have that type of pressure.
2: pressure. He doesn't have the pressure.
3: Yeah, that pressure is different if he got the college station and he's expected to make some. But they hand you a plaque that says you insert the year, you're going to win the national
2: championship. Like, that's the dumbest thing. That's the aggiest thing Uh, I've ever seen.
3: It's a bad move. That was a weird move too, and yeah, that's just that's just kind of some unrealistic expectation you're throwing at a guy, especially coming you know in this conference with how deep it is, and now with no Connor Wegman, how are they going to bounce back from that? Is Max Johnson, who looks a lot more comfortable, like he does, he just looks a, a lot more comfortable. Yes, yeah, a huge week for him. So, yeah, can they keep it going with Max Johnson? I don't know, but Yeah, Mike Elko, something about Duke that just looks comforting for him. This looks like, yeah, I got to worry about we're always the underdog in the way. They won nine games last year. They upset Clemson at home. They're looking for another upset this week against the Fighting Irish. So, yeah, does he want – Those problems, that stress, if he were to get that job in College Station and the Aggies were good, throwing all that money away from Jimbo. I don't know, but, hey, I can see why they miss him.
2: I mean, he's been there, so he knows. Yeah. He knows what it's about. He's been at Notre Dame. He knows what a place like that is
3: about. And now he's – yo. The pressure that Jimbo's about to get, because, okay, it's one thing to be the coach for Texas A&M. Now you're back into pressure of you got to beat Texas, too. Like, that's that's a whole other uh, monkey jumping on your back. You thought you had a monkey before. Well, here comes King Kong for that ass. I mean, he's about to jump on your back if you start losing to Texas and you're not winning playing in New Year's Six Bowl game. So, yeah, man. Like Jimbo, it's about to get way more real for Steve Sarkisian, too. Same thing. Like, Sark's on that same side, too. But, you know, it's a little different because you could beat Oklahoma and sometimes lose to AM. I don't know. Some people are going to think I'm crazy, but it, it just all depends on how the other season plays out. But for AM, it, like this Arkansas game this week that they tried to make, they tried so hard to make that a rivalry from the old Southwest conference and stuff. And it just, you know, having that Jerry world, it's always been a good game, but it will never be what Texas and Texas A&M will be. And yeah, Jimbo, he's going to have to deal with that. And he's never experienced that before even coming from Florida state. Like I, that's not in the same category to me as playing against Miami or the Florida gators maybe if it was the 80s or early 90s or something but no, nah, man not to, not when he was there so yeah that's them some whole new problems that Jimbo Fisher is gonna have to deal with in the upcoming seasons and I'm very eager to see how all that stuff plays out
2: all right can I give you one of my picks right now let's get it I'm gonna give you one of my picks right now because Iowa State Iowa State is, I think, a 19 and a half point underdog to Oklahoma. They are absolutely covering the 19 and a half.
3: It's in Norman, right?
2: It's in Norman. It's in yeah. Norman. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make sure of the line here.
3: Has Matt Campbell been taking anger management classes? Has that been going on? Mm. He won. He
2: won last week.
3: Okay, so? He beat my man. He's got no anger problem. (laughs) About about to give give the fan that two-piece-and-a-biscuit combo at the Ohio Bobcat game for talking a little crazy. Like, you need anger management, Matt. You need it, dog. You need it. It's okay. Some of the best in the world have had anger management classes. It's not saying that, you know – you're too bad of a person. They're just saying that. You got to calm it down. That meathead stuff, it can only go so far, you know?
2: Okay. I'm giving you – that's one of my picks. Iowa State plus 19.5 at OU. Yeah. Iowa State covers that.
3: Yeah, and – Gosh, Emory Jones was so bad for Cincinnati last week just watching that game. It's like, okay, you're kind of dinking and dunking your way into the red zone, and they get in the red zone, it's just like turnover. Or they get in the red zone, they go for fourth down for some reason, they don't get it. They get in the red zone, they kick a field goal, oh, boy, shake a Like Cincinnati, it wasn't like they didn't have chances. It wasn't like they weren't, you know – moving the ball on Oklahoma, and you got to give Brent Venable's squad a little bit of credit. They were making plays. They were getting interceptions at key moments, and when they had the ball, they had a couple of long drives. It wasn't pretty, but Dylan Gabriel, he still threw for over 300 yards, so they're confident, man, and their stats, even though they haven't played nobody, their stats look pretty good. Like, I want to say they're top five in defense on a couple of statistics in the nation. Like, they're playing a lot better than that 5-17 and 17 that we saw in 2022. And, yeah, they got kind of the same situation as Texas to where they know what's at stake next week. So, I, I get you saying that Iowa State might cover because they might be looking far ahead and trying to get some revenge on 49-0 what we saw last year.
2: Okay, and I'm giving you another one of my picks. Let's get it. Duke is absolutely going to cover against Notre Dame.
3: Plus Ooh. Duke, plus
2: five and a half. That's going to be – that could be wrong team favored, But Duke – whoever wins that game is coming down to the last possession, probably a field goal. You yeah. should probably look at Duke's field no, goal.
3: No, i got Chris Hummer, man. He loves him some Riley Leonard. And I mean, he got me on him that first game of the season. Yeah. Dude, that Duke could ball. It's Clemson. Yeah, he was, that, good. he was good. That dude has Jets, and I'm like, look at this white boy run. When he be out breaking, i like, look at this dude. This dude got some Jets, and he be putting his foot in the ground and making moves and juking and stuff. And here's the, he play here's the thing,
2: bit. say If they get it done with game day there, everybody's going to be talking about Duke. Everybody's going to be talking about Riley Leonard, and we've been talking about Riley Leonard since the beginning of the year. Yeah. It's our man, Hummer.
3: Yeah, man. Shout out to Hummer. 24 7 Sports. That dude, he called it one of his favorite quarterbacks that's not getting love. Like Riley Leonard could ball. That's a good quarterback matchup between him and Sam Hartman.
2: Okay, here's here you go. Top three scoring defenses in the Big 12. And actually, I'll take it to the NCAA because OU is doing some ridiculousness. Yeah. OU's giving up 8.5 points per game. That's ridiculous. But Iowa State is giving up 16.5 points per game. God, Duke's defense is giving up 8.8 points per game. I'm absolutely taking Duke to cover.
3: Yeah.
2: But in Texas giving up 12 and a half. But OU, we're about to find out. Cause if uh, everybody says that OU defense is for real, I kind of believe it. But I think Iowa State can slow down the OU offense. I just don't. I don't look at OU's offense. Like, yeah, Dylan Gabriel's a good passer and he's accurate. Their wideouts don't scare me. Jaleel Far- Farouk. I mean, Drake Stoops is still hurt. I don't know. I'm, I'm like this. This game's gonna be like
3: twenty-one-seven. okay Okay. yeah we'll see we'll see if they're looking forward to the next week we'll see if the horns are doing the same but yeah man good week of college football good week at the nfl i'm excited
2: i mean let's go baby all right tomorrow tomorrow we're going to talk to brian Robinson, former longhorn national champion 2005 we talking to Brian Robinson and our man, John McClain, who said the uh, Texans were going to lose to Jacksonville. That's a crazy shocker. Crazy. And they, I mean, CJ Stroud and Tank Dell. All right, Zay, I see our man, Trey, oh, Trey Elling, the night talker, baby. What is
1: going on, playa? Oh, not a lot, fellas. Just uh, continuing to recover from an early week bout of laryngitis and then a midweek allergic reaction to somebody who is wearing entirely too much perfume in the movie theater. Something that movie you see? we'll be getting into in a few minutes. This is not just a person wearing too much perfume or cologne thing. I am literally allergic to a common ingredient in perfume. And when it's overwhelming like that, It basically causes me to go into, what is it called, anaphylactic shock. Not quite to that degree, but I can really feel everything starting to close up. And so, unfortunately, here we are almost 24 hours later, and I've still got a little bit of congestion on my nose, throat's probably not taking that big step forward that I was hoping today, but it's football season, so we make do and figure it out.
3: Yeah, man. We fight on. Yeah. You need a shot in your ass or something, man? <laughs> you need, you need... <laughs> well, are you offering <laughs> <laughs> me? Not personally. I'm not a doctor. You're more of a doctor than me. I mean, that's what Bucky Gobble always says. But, hey, I'm just, I don't know. That sounds like it needs a shot somewhere where it might not, you know, be too comfortable.
1: I could probably use some sort of anti-inflammatory shot. Maybe the... Uh... Brian Urlacher, Toradol shot in one of my glutes might help help everything to subside just a little bit, you know. Hey, so the uh, movie that I was watching last night is the new Saw Saw X, I guess is what it's called. Is the tenth Saw movie? Horror movies for me at this point at forty five are a lot like roller coasters. It's something that I enjoyed much more when I was younger. I don't have a need for excessive gore even if it is wrapped around a decent storyline. Are you guys horror movie guys when you actually do choose to watch a film? I took my son to those movies. Okay.
2: But I, like, did you take someone or did you, was this date night or?
1: It was, no, it was because I was speaking to the two guys who have produced all 10 movies this morning. And so it was doing the uh, service of going uh, and checking uh, out the current product to be able to structure some of the conversation around that no that's good you're doing your homework man yeah you know i (laughs) you get it chip because you obviously do a ton of interviews too you uh come across sounding much like a much less like a buffoon if you've uh done done a little bit of legwork to begin with you know yes indeed Uh, indeed all right well look who's here the one and only
2: KD. Sorry, guys. Uh, like y'all,
1: lot, lot, a lot of phone calls and a lot of other stuff going on. But this is uh, the, the definitely the fun part of my day. So,
2: well, y'all have at it.
1: Have a great show. Bye, guys. See you guys. See Appreciate you. y'all. well later, fellas.